Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Honeys, before we officially start this episode, I just must share with you that I recorded this about a month and a half ago now because it's been so hard for me to record and finish this episode. Having a baby is a lot of work. And turns out, if you're not watching your baby, then you have to pay somebody else to watch your baby. So that means when I have to do my job, there has to be somebody else around to help. So needless to say, it's been a slow burn recording this episode. I'm finally getting it out for y'all. So the timeline on this episode is a little wonky. Just know I recorded a lot of this fresh and deep in the thick of the fourth trimester. So it is raw, it is real, and if it seems like I jump all over the place timeline-wise, just know it's because I've been recording this in small increments over the past month and a half. Okay, please enjoy this episode. Oh, and I also just want to say, I think I say it in this episode, but I want to say thank you to all the honeys who reached out to me after the pregnancy and birth episode. I'm absolutely blown away and overwhelmed by all of the feedback. It has been so fun so warming, so touching, and so wonderful to share this story with y'all and have so many other honeys reach out and share and tell me how much they enjoyed it. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and please enjoy the rest of this episode. Hello, honeys. Welcome to this episode of Natch Butte, the beauty comedy podcast where we laugh, we cry, and we cream. I am your host and your guide, Jackie J, a.k.a. the Beauty Talk Shock, Dr. Queen of Creams, host of the most serums and freshest fringe on the West Coast, your favorite over 30 niche influencer, your kooky southern aunt. Welcome to Natch Butte. Wow, I must say, first off, I'm so blown away and thankful and grateful to all of the listeners and the honeys. Let's be honest, not all listeners are honeys. You have to earn the title of honey. And by that, I mean, you have to listen to at least two episodes, but I'm so grateful to all of the feedback that I've received thus far for my birth, pregnancy, all things, baby episodes. I am blown away. I had no clue how many people got pregnant just from my anecdotal advice from my getting pregnant episode last fall. The messages are coming out of the woodwork. The more I post them, the more they come in. I've posted a few on my Instagram. I've not posted about 50 of them that I've seen. So the earth is being repopulated by good, wonderful people. And that makes me so happy. Let's hope that Gen Alpha, aka the Alpha Honeys, are going to really help us with all of the world's problems that they are inheriting. I'm forever grateful to the Honeys. And honestly... Of all the things I've recommended to people, the creams, the sunscreens, the lipsticks, my most exciting and important one has so far been this. So I'm honored, truly. And oh, oh my gosh. I put out my giving birth episode and man, the feedback has been intense in a good way. Meaning, honestly, sometimes this job feels like screaming into a void. And I haven't gotten a response like this since I announced my divorce three years ago. So it's pretty wild that almost three years exactly, shy of a couple months, I told y'all I was getting a divorce and that 
I was going to be tough and move on with my life. And then three years later, I'm telling y'all about having a baby. Honey, like a phoenix from the ashes, sweetie, she overcomes. She resurrects. I did that with the strength of the honeys behind me, and I will never take that for granted. And I'm here to just say thank you for being active and letting me know that you listen to the episode. I really appreciate it. It's been pretty lonely around Natchbute, recording in my house, not being around other people. And I'm going to be honest. I'm so honest these days, honey. I've really just told y'all everything and been very vulnerable, and that's going to continue. Natchbute, the listenership, has gone down. It's gone down. I've been gone for three months. And not everybody was on board with that, and people have moved on, and I get it. Time is precious. But I truly am so proud of the podcasting that I've been doing as of late and that is going to continue to happen. And y'all have done so much for me, but I'm here to just say thank you for the comments. Thank you for the messages and the emails. I know that that takes a valuable time, and I'm very respectful and appreciative of that time. I also just want to say... Perfect time to recommend Nash Butte to somebody. Say, hey, you had a baby. Check this app out. Why not? It helps me out. Because this is a grind. This is a grind. I'm loving it. It is my job. But the feedback and knowing that there are people out there listening and loving it really fuels me. So, So please asking for that, asking for you to recommend Nash to a friend. Let's get those listeners up. I see so many messages that say, I've been listening since the beginning. Oh my God, I'm so honored. That is so great that we've been on this journey together for so long. However, I'd like to pick up a few new honeys, if you know what I mean. Loving all the OG honeys. Let's get some fresh blood in those downloads. Let's get some fresh honeys cooking up. I'm going to work on it. Y'all work on it with me. It's going to be fab. And I read every single one of y'all's messages, DMs. Deep DMs. I had to really dig because the folder cuts off messages. I had a sunny side up baby too. This took me back to my birth. I don't think I ever want children, but I loved hearing this. I loved it. It was incredible. And I was so worried that my birth story would not be understood. And y'all clearly picked up what I was putting down. And I'm so grateful. And let's continue just being open and honest and sharing everything new that's going to be happening with me with y'all. Once again, this is not going to become a baby podcast, I promise. However, maybe there's something there. If you're interested, let me know. Maybe we could do a side project or something. Because there's a lot of mommies out there, apparently. I I knew that. There's a lot of mommies out there. I guess if you look at every person that you know in the world, somebody was their mommy. So there are a lot of mommies out there. Maybe there's something there. Let me know if you'd be interested in some kind of mommy chat situation. And with that being said, unfortunately for some people who don't give a fuck about this topic, there's still a lot that I haven't covered that I need to get out. So I'm going to do yet another episode. This is going to be postpartum, honey. Postpartum. Because again, I feel as someone who just went through this experience, I was not told accurately about this experience from anyone I know. So I want to tell the honeys what to expect after you have a baby, the immediate after everything that comes after that. And I don't have a lot of notes written down. This is all going to be coming from my own brain and experience as I process it out loud. So 
It might not be as structured, but hopefully it will still be useful. I also have all the questions that y'all asked me about my birth and baby stuff. So we'll see what all we can get to, but we're going to start where I left off last episode, which is basically the baby has just come out of my body. Okay. So let's go back to that day. I'm in the hospital. The baby comes out. All of a sudden, the doctors and the nurses start pushing really hard on my stomach and it hurts. And there's a video of me holding Sandy, talking to him. And all of a sudden I go, ah, like that. Because they start pushing on your uterus immediately. I believe this is so that they help it go back down because your uterus was giant and stretched from the baby and now it must go back to its size it was before. It takes a while. It doesn't happen overnight, but that's where they start pushing on you. Also, the placenta. This is something I did not know until my pregnancy preparations. You give birth to your baby, but then you have to also give birth to the placenta, which is the organ that your body created from scratch when you got pregnant. Interesting. And the body is incredible. The body is incredible. So a lot of people, I'm not going to say a lot of people, some people believe that you should eat your placenta. It has benefits, including lots of iron. Did I eat my placenta? A lot of y'all wanted to know. I vowed after going through a pregnancy that I would never judge another woman again. Because let me tell you something, it is not easy to birth a child, have a child, raise a child, and you got to do what you got to do and make decisions that are going to work for you and your family and your child the best. I will never judge another woman, bar none, right? That being said, placenta eating, not for the jackster, okay? There wasn't a part of me that even considered doing this. For me... And my sister explained her her thoughts on this matter, which is what I also took on. When wild animals slash cave people existed among nature, they had a baby. They would eat the placenta in order to hide the remnants, hide the evidence, so that no predator would sniff them out and come eat them slash eat the baby. I'm no longer in danger of that happening. I'm not living outside. I'm not worried about a group of bears sniffing out my placenta and coming over and eating me and Sandy. That's not, luckily, something that I deal with in my life. So I felt as though I didn't need to eat my placenta. So I didn't. If you want to eat yours, honey, bon appetit. Get the fork, get the knife, eat it up. I have friends who did. They had somebody come and encapsulate it into pill form and they ate the pills and they said it helped with postpartum, blah, blah, blah. So if that's something you're interested in, Google it, sweetie. Ask your healthcare provider about it. But I did not eat mine. Also, in hospital births, there's a few things that happened that I would say I didn't necessarily love. One thing I wanted to do was delay cutting the cord. I learned about this throughout my birth education. There's some argument to leaving the umbilical cord attached to the baby for a little bit longer, letting the cord slowly pump the rest of the blood into the baby and then cutting it. But in hospital births, they're like, let's get you out of here, honey. Let's clock out. So they don't let you really do that. If it were up to me, I would have let my cord go for another couple of minutes and then cut it. But alas, it was cut pretty quickly. And then there's the placenta. 
I honestly have no recollection of the placenta coming out of me. They were pushing on me, pushing on my uterus, and all of a sudden they yanked it out. I took one glimpse at it, one glimpse, and they took it away. I, she said, do you want to see it? I said, I should see it. I should take a look. I glanced, and then I moved on. What does it look like? Did you ever play with Nickelodeon Gak as a child? I did. It was very fun. It's this gooey, gelatinous, a sense like a Play-Doh type of toy. I would say placenta. I should have put a warning on this episode. I'm just realizing I didn't. Spoiler alert. We're going to get graphic. I'm going to talk about emotions. I'm going to talk about depression. I'm going to talk about anxiety. I'm going to talk about blood. I'm going to talk about buttholes, pussies, uh, It's going to be graphic, warning you. I should have put it at the top because I've probably already said too much. From here on out, just know that's what's going to happen. Okay, we're all here. We're all staying. Let me say, yes, your placenta looks disgusting. It's a big, giant pan of gelatin goo from your body. Uh, They took it out of me. I didn't really feel them take it out other than the pushing on my uterus. They pushed it out. They yanked it out. They took it out. It's gone. I never saw it again. God bless you. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. I don't know where they, I don't know what they did with it. I don't know if they threw it in the trash. If there's a placenta recycling bin outside the hospital. I don't know. But I did not eat it and it it goes away. So that's something that happens to you once you give birth. If you give birth at home or in a birthing center, if you do not have an epidural, you will typically sort of go into labor again right after you have your baby and the placenta will come out of you. You will have to push it out. You have contractions and all of that again. So there you go. Good luck to you. So then you're laying there. They are pushing. They push on my body. They're pushing on my stomach. I don't know how often they do it. It feels like they're doing it every 10, 15 minutes. They're pushing. They're pushing. I'm holding the baby, as I mentioned in my last episode, he's nursing, he's nursing, we're bonding, he's falling asleep, whatever. They weigh him, all that stuff. They do all kinds of stuff to your baby at the hospital. You don't have to agree to a lot of it. I didn't want my baby washed, so they did not give him a bath. They did not wash him. They put this ointment in their eyes. I said, I did not want the ointment. They offer different vaccines and things. You can say no if you want. I had mine done. But sometimes you can say, I would like to wait until my pediatrician can do them the next day or whatever it is. So just know it's called informed consent and you should be aware that you can say no to all of the things they're telling you that they're going to do to the baby and you can tell them not to do things beforehand. So do your research, see what works for you and your family. Okay. So I'm laying there and they're like, okay, now we're going to get you out of labor delivery because of course more babies are being born. We need to clear the room out, bleach it, hose it down, whatnot, get out. They asked me, would you like to be taken in a wheelchair or a stretcher to the next department, recovery, labor recovery? I was like, what? Why can't I just walk? And the nurse says, because you have an epidural. And I said, but I can feel my legs, see? And I wiggle my legs. And she held my legs up and she goes, try and keep your legs up in the air. And she drops them and they fell to the table. I said, okay, I guess I don't have full mobility like I thought. Now, picking the stretcher would have been more dramatic, but that just seemed silly to me. So I said, I'll take the wheelchair. So they wheel me down into our new little room. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, you're a parent. Deal with it. Wild, wild gauntlet of a transition in life. Now, Ben, Sandy, and I are living in this little tiny room of the hospital. Every two hours, the baby needs to eat. They don't poop the first few hours of their life. 
and there you go. You're off to the races. It's a crazy time. It's a blurry time. And you, meanwhile, the parent who just gave birth, all these crazy things are happening, right? So first off, you start shedding hormones immediately. You sweat like you've never sweat in your damn life. You sweat like you're in a damn lodge at a friggin' sweat hut in Borneo on a friggin' ayahuasca retreat. You're sweat. I sweat through my clothes, through the sheets, through the blankets. And I was just like, is this normal? And the nurse is like, yes. And that happens for a few weeks after you have the baby. Every night, every time you wake up, you are drenched. I didn't know that. And now you do. Very normal. The second thing is, your pussy and asshole are a mess. Okay? That's just, that's just the quickest way to get that out there. Again, I did not famously tear, but that does not mean I came out unscathed, okay? Because these babies, they don't treat their hotel room very nice. They're in their hotel room, and on their way out, they decide to trash it. They decide to knock the furniture over. They decide to ruin the carpet. They really make an exit. So I didn't take a look directly down in there, but you are extremely swollen. So everything that you know about your body and what it looks like, imagine it times 10 and that's how big it is, okay? And as I mentioned in the last episode, when you give birth, you're basically shitting out the baby. So the pushing and the pushing and the pushing, it depending on how long you push. I push for a very long time. My poor butthole looks like it went through something. It, it looks like it went through a, a tornado. I had never seen it look like that before. It, it was rough. And I was terrified because like, oh my God, what has happened to my butthole? It's the pressure from all the pushing has just really worn it out. And it's just kind of flapping open, right? It was just really different looking. It was just really different looking. Now, the woman, the nurse who helped me, bless her, her name was Carrie, and she'd been doing this a very long time. She said, okay, I'm going to need you to come to the bathroom with me and pee, and I'm going to need to watch. And I said, okay, Carrie, you're kinky, and I like it. So Carrie helps me up, and I wobble into the bathroom, and they have a little plastic bowl in the toilet so that she can monitor my pee. And I guess why they're doing this is they want to see how much blood is in it. I told y'all this was graphic. So I peed. I don't remember it stinging, but your pee is blood red. And that's normal. Because basically what's happening is your uterus inside your body is letting go of everything that was just inside it and it's shrinking and as it shrinks blood's going to come out so I pee and she shows me what to do she says you're going to use these little witch hazel pads you're going to shake this ice pack you're going to lay it down over this pad you're going to put the pad in your underwear you're going to pull it up and then you're good And she said, you shouldn't be bleeding through this. If you are, let me know. And we repeat, repeat every time I go to the bathroom. So that was that. Now, I had been told that you bleed after you give birth and things like that. So I just want to make sure everybody knows that, like I said, that area went through something crazy. And it takes a bit for it to go back. 
weeks and weeks, okay? So you need to prepare for that if you give birth. If you don't have one of those Frida recovery kits, get it now. Amazon it. They have them at Target. These should be standard issue at hospitals, these Frida postpartum recovery kits. They are absolutely incredible. Whoever this Frida woman is, honey, you've got my vote, okay? And everyone listening, if you don't know, there's a company called Frida. They make Frida Mom and Frida Baby are the two branches of the company. And uh, pretty much everything Frida makes, I have been a fan of. But an absolute must-have on your baby registry is the Frida Mom postpartum recovery kit. They have one specifically for C-sections. If you know you're having a C, you have a scheduled C, they have one specifically for that, more catered to what you're going to need because, yes, you're still going to bleed from your puss even if you have a C-section. Fun fact, because, again, your uterus is still going down. It's still going to bleed. They also make two different ones. One is more deluxe. It's more expensive. I believe it's $99. It comes with socks, a hospital gown. It's a little bit more, a little zippy bag. It just has more stuff. I was gifted both, and I wore the Frida gown in the hospital and the socks, and it was so fun and cute. And I ended up using a lot of the products. So get one of these kits. And if your friend's registry doesn't have one, buy one for your friend because they're incredible. They have the ice packs. They have the, these cooling witch hazel pads that feel amazing. They have these thick pads. They have the famous underwear. Everybody said take as much underwear from the hospital as you can, the mesh underwear. You're going to need more than you think. And the good news is if you end up not using them, you can gift them to the next pregnant person in your life, which is what happened to me. I have several friends who ended up having C-sections and they had a bunch of stuff they didn't end up using. They brought it to me. I used as much as I needed and I passed it on to my next friend and she's doing the same. It's a lovely sisterhood of the traveling Frida kit. So get one. They're incredible. They should be issued to hospitals. Frida, you're doing the Lord's work. Okay. So you're in the little room in the hospital. You're shedding hormones. You're figuring out how to swaddle. Like I said, if you have the time and patience, Google and YouTube swaddling techniques, learn how all of your baby shit works beforehand because you're not going to want to do it when you're exhausted and overwhelmed with a newborn, right? And then you try to sleep at night at the hospital. Now, your baby's waking up every two hours to eat, so you don't really get much sleep. But the other reason you don't get much sleep is because of how many goddamn people keep coming into your hospital room. This was again told to me, and I didn't truly understand it until I was going through it. Oh my God. They don't leave your ass alone. Every 30 minutes they come in. Sometimes somebody's in the room and another person comes in while they're there. And these are all kinds of people. Nurses, the people who take the blood, phlebotomists, okay? Phlebotomists come in. They want blood from you. They want blood from the baby. The nurses come in and give you Tylenol. The nurses come in and give you stool softeners. The nurses come in and ask if they can give you any things you need for the baby. One woman came in and kept asking for logs of the baby's diapers and how often I'm feeding him. They come in and see if you need help breastfeeding. There were janitors that came in. There were the people bringing food, asking if I need anything. I mean, literally... Oh, and doctors, of course. My OB came in to check on me, and then the baby's pediatrician came in. They never stop. So the whole time you're in the hospital, don't think you're going to be on a vacation, a spa treatment. No, honey, it is not relaxing. It's a lot. 
honestly, we spent one night in the hospital and I was ready to go home. And my OB actually cleared us to go home. However, we ended up having to stay an additional night because Sandy was having low, what's called Billy Rubin levels. And I thought Billy Rubin was a person. And I said, who's this Billy Rubin guy? But it's actually spelled B-I-L-I-R-U-B-I-N. And it is a test that measure, measures the amount of Billy Rubin in your blood, which has to do with jaundice. And a lot of babies have jaundice because it makes sense. Jaundice is, I'm not a doctor, but it has something to do with vitamin D levels. And your baby was in a dark womb and now all of a sudden it's in a hospital under fluorescent lights. And jaundice is extremely common. So if you are in the hospital and you have your baby and they say to you, okay, your baby has jaundice, your baby has low bilirubin, don't fret just yet. Most likely everything's going to be fine. But because of his bilirubin reading, they wanted us to wait one more night so that in the morning they could give fresh tests and figure out what's going on. So we had to wait one more day. We waited one more day. They took his blood. Turns out everything was fine. His levels rose a lot. So we were good and we got to go home. But I wanted out of there. So many people were coming in and out comically, the amount of people. And they were great and helpful, but I was ready to go home and figure out this baby at my house. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm listening back on this and I left out a couple things. So let me just add them. The first thing I want to add is... There were some very painful things that happened to my body during this time. When your baby is suckling you, if you choose to breastfeed, and again, we get more into breastfeeding in a minute, but I do just say it's worth a shot. If you can and you know you're interested in it, give it a shot. You don't make milk yet. You make this stuff called colostrum, which is this golden smoothie-like substance that comes out of you the first few days and it's really nutrient dense and good for a newborn because they can only eat like a teaspoon of food or something insanely small while your baby is sucking on you you get horrific menstrual cramps for me personally the most painful menstrual cramps I've had in my life and I've had some damn bad ones and this is because as the baby is sucking it's contracting your uterus back into shape So again, an added benefit to kind of speed this process up, get that baby and suckle. If you're having a hard time latching, hopefully your hospital or your birthing center or wherever you had your child has somebody there to help you. I realize not all babies can latch instantly. There are tongue ties and things. I am extremely lucky and blessed that my baby was just a great latcher from minute one. I'm extremely lucky that that was the case and that breastfeeding has come very naturally to me. That is not always the case. We'll get more into that later. But also, the other thing I wanted to bring up is just a little anecdote. As I mentioned, people coming in and out of the room. This little woman, and I say little because she was very petite, 
this little unassuming woman comes in and she says, hi, I need to change out your trash. Now, my trash can in the bathroom is just full of disgusting, bloody, mucusy pads and underwear from my leaking pussy. And it's a clear plastic trash bag. And the woman goes in the little bathroom and comes out and she's wearing gloves and a mask and everything. And she comes out holding this giant bag full of my bloody pads. And as she's talking to me, she's gesticulating with this bag that I can see all my bloody pads. In. And she's an angel. I truly feel sometimes that God brings you the angel's that are on earth when you need them. And this woman is an angel. And coincidentally, her name is Evangeline. And she had her name tag on. And this woman, what a character. You can't write this stuff. She starts chatting with Ben and I. And I have this little tiny one-day-old baby, and I'm nursing him, and we're both so tired and overwhelmed and scared. And I'm hormonal and just... You know, this is a whole new world. And this little woman starts chatting with us and she just says how amazing it is that I have this little person in my life now. And she said something I will never, ever forget. And I pass this on to all of my honeys because it will make you cry for sure if you've had a baby. She said, your baby is the bridge between the two of you. Your baby just made you a family. And she said, family isn't your house. It isn't your fancy cars. It's the people. And the baby is the bridge between the two of you. You will always be connected to each other now. And honey, I'm in here sobbing, okay? I'm crying in the club over this. And it's true and beautiful. So I pass that on to all of you. And as a child of divorce, it, it struck me even more. Because when you have a baby with someone, you really are bridged to them for life, whether you like it or not. So the fact that I'm bridged to Ben, the person I love the most the most important person my favorite person up until sandy is really powerful and i share that with all the honeys evangeline again she's sort of like that woman when i went to see beetlejuice in new york on the day of my wedding anniversary and that woman was sitting next to me do y'all remember that and i all of a sudden i look over and she's gone it's like did she even exist was she really there I don't know. Is Angelina a figment of my imagination? <laughs> is she an angel? Did God send her down because I was postpartum and started having a really hard time and he sent me a symbol and a sign that everything's going to be okay? I don't know. I'm going to have to look her up on LinkedIn. Evangeline, she works at Huntington Hospital, but she's doing the Lord's work. Let's continue the story. So we get home. We have the baby. I'm so grateful that my sister was here helping us with this transition because as I said it is a gauntlet of a transition and I really truly cannot explain to you how different things are on the other side from where you were before again everyone says you're going to be tired everybody says it's going to be stressful everybody says this but until you live it you don't get it 
Just imagine your life before you had a baby, before you were pregnant even. What did you do? You did whatever the fuck you wanted to do at any moment. You peed, you went to the bathroom, you poured yourself a glass of milk, you watched television, you slept as much as you wanted, you got ready, you felt like going somewhere when you wanted to. All of that is over. All of that is instantly over. You can no longer do whatever you want ever again. And that instantly changes. Not only can you not do what you want, but there is now this little screaming entity that is outside of your body. And your body is wired to take care of this little bo- this little person and wired to react to its screaming. So it makes things a lot different and a lot harder. And again, I'm saying this to you and you don't, you're not going to get it until you've been through it. How difficult and different it makes your life. It makes it very hard and very different. Now, listen, I took all these classes. I read every book. I watched all the YouTubes. And by the way, at least Google the five S's on how to calm a baby. There's a book called Happiest Baby on the Block. I think he stretched it into a book. You don't need to get the book. Google it. Watch the YouTubes. But I read books. I took the classes. And I wondered, I took in my baby care class, they said, it's okay if you need a break. You can take a couple minutes and walk out of the room. If you need a reset, let the baby cry for two minutes. It's okay. And I remember being like, why would my baby be crying if I meet its needs? I'll just respond to its cues and I'll know what it needs and it will never cry. That was literally my mentality. Babies specifically newborn babies, scream. They scream. The reason they scream is because that is their only mechanism. They just entered the planet. They've been floating around in fluid for months, and now all of a sudden they're on the outside world, and they don't know what the fuck is going on. They're uncomfortable. They don't understand, and all they have to express this to you is they're screaming. Their screaming doesn't mean, help me, help me, something's wrong. It means, hey, hey. Hey, you. Hey, what's going on? Like, that's it. And that wasn't explicitly shared with me. It probably wasn't. I just didn't get it. Your baby is going to scream. It's going to scream. And the reason that they're screaming is so upsetting is because, again, you're wired to feel that way. This is how humans have continued on for so long. Because that's why they scream and they're going to scream no matter what no matter how perfect you are no matter what how many books you read no matter how much prep you did if you're the perfect parent your baby is going to scream it just is and this is where I'm going to start talking about my postpartum anxiety it's really hard y'all and I've always been a person that if I don't get rest, it really affects me. And the sleep deprivation is real. I'm telling you right now, if you've ever been really, really tired, you don't know what being tired is until a baby is in your house. Now, I was exceptionally tired because even the few minutes and couple hours of a break that I got, I was not sleeping because I was having anxiety horrific anxiety when the baby would fall asleep and you have an hour hour and a half whatever it is to rest while he's asleep 
I wouldn't sleep because I was so worried the whole time. I was worried he's going to wake up and I'm not going to hear it. Or he's just going to wake up in one minute. What's the point of sleeping? Just whatever intrusive thoughts I was having, they were over-consuming my brain. I couldn't sleep no matter what. Even if Ben took him for a minute and gave me a break, I would be up the whole time saying, oh my God, what if he doesn't take good care of him? What if he needs me? Like It just was, my thoughts were racing. My brain would not turn off. I was completely on edge. And sleep deprivation will drive you mad. And this is, again, I just, something that I've always known but never really understood is just how stacked against women the odds are. You go through a pregnancy, you're exhausted, you go through a traumatic birth, you're ripped to shreds, and then they hand you this baby and say, here you go, take care of it. It's absolutely impossible. You're shedding hormones. Your body is trying to heal. You're trying to make milk for this human to live, yet you're exhausted, you're sleep deprived, you're stressed. It's just impossible. It's impossible. So Ben started getting concerned about me because I was having such a hard time. And so was my postpartum doula, which... Bridget, my birth doula, also was my postpartum doula, meaning she would just come over for a couple hours and help me with the baby and hold him while I napped, washed stuff, just was there to help wherever she needed to help. Which again, if you can afford it, honey, get a postpartum doula. Get the help. Okay, get the help. Take it from me. And they both were kind of pulling me aside and just making sure I was okay. And I said, I love taking care of him, but I'm having a hard time. There's also a thing called the baby blues. It's pretty much going to happen. And it's just part of it. But it's an experience where you it hits you all of a sudden, the change in your life. And you're like, oh my God, wow. And you start grieving your past life. And realizing oh what have I done I now have to be responsible for this person and it hits everybody and it it hits you two weeks postpartum like clockwork pretty much but you also a couple days after giving birth you go through a shift of hormones that's so intense I, I read or I took in one of my classes it said it's more intense than your teenage hormonal shift but it happens within one day as opposed to like a couple of years. So it's rough. It's rough. I was sobbing uncontrollably. And this is on top of taking care of a screaming little person and that has to eat every two hours. It is rough. It is survival mode. My doula said at the end of the day, if everyone's alive, you did a good job. So this is what was happening to me. I would do something and I would say, I shouldn't do this. My book said not to do that. I can't do that. I can't have the baby sleep in the bed. I can't have the baby fall asleep like this. I can't. Whatever. And then I would be really neurotic about my milk. I'd say, oh my God, I have to sleep. My milk is going to dry up. I need the milk. My milk keeps him alive. What if I can't create milk? Like, the odds are so stacked against women. It's crazy. So, unbeknownst to me, I was pretty much losing it. I got on the phone with my therapist. I was like, do I have postpartum depression? I really don't think I'm depressed. I think this is just sleep deprivation. I think this is just transition is rough. 
and I did a few quizzes and we said, I don't think you have postpartum. But then I didn't know that postpartum anxiety is a thing. I was reading one of my thousand books because, again, I just felt I wasn't doing a good job. I had to read every book. I was reading this other book that I don't recommend to anybody because it truly made me feel insane. But it did have a chapter on postpartum anxiety. And I read it out loud to Ben and he was like, that sounds pretty accurate to me. I say this to all the honeys that you might have this experience. It's less talked about. Postpartum depression is talked about a lot, but I had never heard of this. And I believe it is extremely common. Postpartum anxiety. Look it up. Be aware of the warning signs. And there is treatment. I got treatment. I called my OB. I'm basically back on the medication I was on prior to getting pregnant. And it made such a difference. I finally can sleep. I can finally hand him over to Ben and not be afraid or not be worried. I can rest while he's asleep and I'm not on edge It just really helped. So I'm telling all the mamas out there, this is a very, very hard job. So much harder than I thought. My sister said the hardest job in the world is someone so little loving you so much. And I truly think that's true. This work is such important work. It is profound It is so important, but it is so difficult. And it gets dark. Those first two months are dark. And I had help and I had support. And it was still extremely dark. So not to scare anyone because you're you're not gonna get it till you're in it, but and some of you might have perfect little babies who never cry. I'm excited and happy for you. My son screamed when he came out and he, my doula said he's the loudest baby she's ever met. He loves a loud yell, honey. I wonder where he got that. It's been hard to say the least. So I wanted to get real about all that with y'all. And here we are three months in and am I sleeping more? I wouldn't say great. But I'm getting the swing of things, and I'm sure as soon as I say that, things are going to change because these little babies change so much. I'm sure he's going to have a sleep regression any day now. But all I have to say is hang in there. Hang in there. We are so strong. We are so tough. And it's worth it all. Why do you think everybody's having kids? Why do you think so many people have more than one? Because it's incredible. And we'll get more into that later, but I had to get that out. So that's the postpartum experience. Oh, yeah. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now. And we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of Real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah. And now I'm going to answer y'all's questions. 
We're going to start with the birth questions because I didn't answer them last episode. First question, is your pussy okay? I mostly just want to hear you say pussy a bunch. I feel I accurately did that for you. I said pussy more times than I've ever said it in the last two episodes, so you're welcome for that. And I'll be honest, I'm three months postpartum as I'm recording this. Is my pussy okay? I'm going to say it's different. It's not back to normal. It's not the pussy that it once was currently. I'm seeing a physical therapist. When I went to my six-week postpartum appointment, I actually went at eight weeks because I had COVID. That's a whole other story that I won't even get into right now. Get the Omicron vaccine. That's my advice. Get the Omicron vaccine right now. If you haven't had Omicron, if you haven't had BA4 or 5, get that vaccine. Okay? It is not fun. You do not want it. I do not recommend getting it when you have a newborn. It was the worst two weeks of my life. That's all I'll say about that. But anyway, so at eight weeks, I went to my postpartum appointment and my OB and she put her hand in me and felt around and she said, okay, I'm clearing you for exercise, sexual penetration, etc. However, you do have a slight vaginal prolapse and she sent me to a physical therapist. So I've been going to physical therapy for about a month now and it's been a very interesting experience. Things are different down there. And it just is the way it is. Everyone I've talked to says that it doesn't take overnight for things to go back, for you to enjoy that part down there back before. It's going to take a little bit and it's going to take some work. So I did not get out unscathed, even though I didn't tear. There's still a lot of internal things going on. And again, my asshole really feels different. And I haven't even worked on my asshole at my physical therapist. We've only been doing pelvic floor things. But my asshole just feels different. It just feels like it feels like my arms carrying a bunch of groceries that like at any minute I could drop all the groceries. Does that make sense? And before I used to like hold my groceries really tight, really tight in my arms. And now it's like they're kind of falling out. That's what it feels like. To be determined, but pushing for three and a half hours has its consequences, turns out. So, my pussy, to be determined. She's not who she used to be, but I have faith that she will come to a place of of happiness. Next question. Looking back, would you have done anything differently during the birthing process? I would have brought my damn, I would have brought my damn anti-acid medication to the hospital. I would have taken my Prevacid before I left, number one. And what else would I have done differently? Oh, I would have made a birth playlist and a pushing playlist. A labor playlist and a pushing playlist. Two separate playlists. That's all I could really control out of that crazy experience. So those are the two things I would do. Did you feel supported by your OB and nursing team throughout your labor? Yes, I did. Did you have a birth plan? And if so, how much of it held up? I feel like I answered that question. The birth plan was not written in paper. I recommend you do that as I discussed on my last episode. So make sure that you put together a birth plan. How to look snatched during labor. I did not do this. In fact, right before I gave birth, they told me, okay, you're at 10 centimeters. We can start pushing. I said, Ben, get my toothbrush. He sort of gave me a sponge bath so I could wash my hands. And he helped me brush my teeth with like a bucket and a cup, a cup of water because I couldn't get up from my epidural. So no, I did not look snatched. And I will also say that after 
I gave birth when I was in the hospital for those two days. I did not shower. I didn't wash my face. I didn't get up and put moisturizer on. I literally didn't do any self-care at all because I was tired, overwhelmed, having a meltdown, sweating, adjusting to this whole world and everything. So no, I did not look snatched. If you have the energy to do so, sweetie, I am in awe of you. Oh, I will say, make sure you bring a ponytail holder because my doula had to put my hair back for me and I didn't have one. Make sure you bring a ponytail holder. Okay, next. Did you feel like anything you didn't want was pushed on you by the hospital? No. Again, the power of a doula advocating for you and the power of being being educated on how things work and what everything is. I knew everything they were doing because I had taken all those classes and knew what to expect. So I highly recommend birth education classes, especially if you have a hospital birth and you want to know everything that's going on. Legally, they must tell you before they do anything and you have to consent to it. If this is a worry of yours, line yourself up with knowledge. And if you have a doula advocating for you, even better, sweetie. Best item in hospital bag slash what you wish you brought. Again, I barely dipped into that. I barely, I remember I brought mascara. I brought concealer. I was like, oh, I might want to take a photo. No, I was too exhausted and too overwhelmed for all of that. That Frida kit, honey, bring it. If you plan on breastfeeding, bring those silverette breast cups I discussed in my episode about must-have items. Get those silver cups for your boobs. And bring a thing to hold your hair back. And bring something that you want to sweat in because you're going to sweat, honey. You're going to sweat. Don't bring anything super nice. Don't bring a blanket that that you love because it could get ruined. It could get covered in something. So no. Obviously, it's best to be prepared, but I barely used anything I brought in my hospital bag because I was so tired and I just said, I'd rather be home. I'd rather wait till I got home and showered, which by the way, best shower of my life when I got home from the hospital. Okay, next. Did you do anything with the placenta my doula friend uses used to process placentas into pills? I answered that. I feel like I answered all y'all's questions. So I'm going to move on to the baby questions, okay? What items did you end up not needing trying to narrow down my registry? Okay, great question. As I said before on my pregnancy episode, you don't need clothes. I promise everybody's going to buy them for you, okay? I never put gloves on my baby I don't really know why people do. Maybe if they, you live in a cold area, those little mitts. For me, all my classes said don't put gloves on your baby because they need the tactile development, so don't. So my baby has never worn little mitties or anything like that. Also, people that have kids are going to buy you things that they liked, and sometimes they're going to be good, sometimes they aren't. For example, I was given a baby wipe warmer and it was not approached it was it was not appreciated by anyone in the house first of all it has to be plugged in for it to work we were running low on plugs so it was a whole it was a whole pop and circumstance getting it plugged in the wipes were not easy to pull out of like my oxo baby wipe holder which i really love and it just, the baby didn't give a shit. So it's in the closet. It's not being used. So that's something. There's so many gadgets for things. There's a sanitizer for all the bottles and the nipples and things. Because I was thinking, I'm just going to use soap. Why would I need that? 
Washing bottle parts is so annoying. Let me just tell you, it's so annoying. I use these little steamy bags. They're made by Medela, which is a brand of breast pump. And I sanitize a lot of my breast pump parts with those little steamy bags. And I highly recommend them. Or you can just boil everything, but this is actually quicker and easier. And all of this is in my Amazon store. I have three categories. I have pregnancy, I have postpartum, I have baby must-haves, and then I also have just a specific breastfeeding one. Everything's in there. Let me know if y'all want me to like really get into detail about products and things, and I can. How is having a newborn easier or harder than you expected? How intuitive has it been or not intuitive? Way, 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 way harder than I thought. I would say it's really difficult. As a person with anxiety, sometimes you don't trust your own intuitions. Mommy intuition is extremely strong. So you have to do what you have to do. But I also am so insecure about what to do that it was just a struggle at all times. And it only now am I starting to really listen to my mommy intuition. But mommy intuition is so strong. It's why we're all still here. It has kept the human race alive. So try to really tap into your mommy instincts because they are probably true. My bestie just had her baby. What are the ways that I can be there for new moms? Fabulous question. Fabulous question. Okay. I have so much intel on this. Number one, don't text your friend. Oh, I just woke up. I slept in on accident. Oh, I'm so tired. Fuck that. Don't say that. Okay. Don't make your friend make decisions. They're most likely extremely tired. Making decisions is exhausting. They're making decisions all day and all night. Say, I'm going to blank restaurant. What can I get you? Or text her partner and say, what does she like from Chili's? What does she like from the deli? Or just get it without asking. And then text and say, I just dropped off Schlotsky's at your door. There's Subway sandwiches at your doorstep. There's Instacart groceries on your doorstep. Go get them. Tell her partner. Like, spring into action without asking because it's exhausting. I can't even tell you how many friends of mine said, if you need anything, let me know. It's like the last thing I'm going to do is text you and say, I need something. Make it easier for them. Number two, don't make them host you. Once they open the door and let you in, you say, I'm going to go do dishes. I'm going to fold your laundry. Where's the laundry pile? Is there anything you need me to do? Again, it's exhausting to bark orders. That's why you should just take initiative or maybe ask her partner before she gets there. Like, just walk in, do the dishes. Don't even ask. Do the laundry. Grab the baby. I'm going to draw a bath for you. Just anything you can do physically to help rub her shoulders Anything like that. Don't just sit there and want to say, I want to hold the baby. I want to look at the baby. Oh my God, the baby, the baby, the baby. Really ask your friend how your friend is doing. Okay? And do not come over empty fucking handed. Do not come over empty handed. How dare you? Even if you don't ask, go to the grocery store on the way there. Bring some snacks. Quick, easy, healthy snacks that your friend can eat while they're exhausted in between the baby being up. They need quick, easy sustenance. Granola bars. Fruit that you can just bite into and not have to cut. Bags of little nuts. Things like that. Just quick and easy. Bring them. Bring them snacks. Don't even ask. Pre-packaged shakes. 
I hesitate to tell you all this because you're going to use them all up and the Whole Foods is near me, but there's these shakes. Forager is the company. They make these vegan protein shakes. They're delicious and they're not cheap. I drink one every damn day because it's 5 o'clock in the morning and my baby wakes up and I need quick nourishment. Get them a few of those shakes. Get them drinks. Get them a pack of their favorite drinks. Like, just bring shit. Bring shit. Okay? Bring shit and be helpful with your hands. Do a chore. Fold the laundry. Do the dishes. Write thank you notes. Anything. Offer offer them all. Don't say, let me know how I can help. Let me know if I can help. Say, I'm helping. And don't come over empty-handed. Bring some damn food. Hi, listening back and wanted to add something. So for all the pregnant people listening to this, this is what you're going to do. Before you have your baby and you're exhausted and overwhelmed and life is different and will never be the same, take an opportunity to make a list of all of your favorite restaurants slash groceries. Say, okay, I live in this neighborhood. These are the five restaurants I order from the most. These are the most common things that me and my partner like to eat from there. And then do the same for the grocery stores around you. Okay, I live next to uh, Ralph's, and I like to get from there avocados, heirloom tomatoes, these protein shakes, these bags of chips, whatever. Have this in a Word document on your phone, ready to go. If you do a meal train, put that on the top of the meal train, or if someone does a meal train for you, We did not do a meal train because I felt like it was too much because we had so many people buy us presents, which is wonderful and I'm very grateful, but have that document ready to go. And when somebody texts you or texts your partner and says, hey, I want to come see the baby. Can I bring something? Send that and have it ready to go so you don't have to sit here and say, okay, yeah, sure. Can you go get me a grilled cheese sandwich from so-and-so? Like, send that. I can't even tell you at the end of the night when you put the baby to bed and you have a couple of hours of free time, the last thing you want to do is cook a damn meal for yourself. You just want to shove food in your mouth in silence. So I highly recommend having a friend set up a meal train for you or when people start asking you what you want for dinner and things like that, have that list ready to go because it's going to really simplify things. So that's my note to the pregnant people out there. And if you're listening to this and you have a pregnant friend, tell them to do this. Say, hey, I want you to make a list for all of all your favorite restaurants that I can send around to your friends and have ready to go when you're postpartum. Okay, let's continue. How has birth recovery been? I am not my old self. I don't know if I ever will be, and that's okay. I looked in the mirror a few days after I gave birth, and I wept with gratitude for my body. I cannot believe that my body made a person from scratch, made fingernails, bones, organs, little eyeballs, made a person, and I grew it in my body, and I pushed it out of my body. I know that it is very mundane and it happens all over the world and it's been happening since the dawning of time, but it is truly remarkable. And I looked at my body and I said, I will never judge this body. I will never look in the mirror and judge this body because this body is incredible. What my body just did is a triumph. And I will never, ever look at it the same. I will never judge it. 
that's powerful. And that's why I now know moms don't give a fuck. And older ladies don't give a fuck because they have run out of fucks. And it's powerful. I'm one step there of giving fucks. Once you've been through something like that, a lot of other things just don't matter anymore. You know, I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care. I've got a lot of stupid things now. And I certainly don't give a fuck about the body I had before. My body is amazing and powerful. And I will always appreciate it in a new way. Next question. Was it hard choosing a name? Sandy is perfect, by the way. If my baby had been a girl, it would have been more difficult. We had a few names chosen. And we honestly thought she was a girl. At least I did. I was trying to manifest. We had two boy names. One was Sandy and one was Sheldon. I thought Shell Sheehan was very cute. I love Shell Silverstein, the author. And Ben has a uncle figure in his life named Sheldon. So I thought Shell Sheehan was really cute. My one issue was that Bazinga, Big Bang Theory, and Young Sheldon is such a pop culture thing that I didn't want my baby growing up and everybody to be saying Bazinga to him. And I didn't want everybody to be calling him young Sheldon and all that. So one night pretty early on, I think I was only in my second trimester early on in my second trimester. We just asked the baby about Sheldon and Sandy and he led us to Sandy and we both felt it. So we said where his name is going to be Sanford Sandy. And that was that. I thought it was a super cute name. And it was an easy choice. It was one of those things I didn't want to hem and haw over it. Now, girl names, I have about 20 that I was considering. So let's see what happens if I have another child or not. I don't think I'm going to, to be honest. But I'm going to keep all those names tight to my vest because you just never know. And if I have another boy, heaven help me. (laughs) Okay, next question. How is Chuchi adjusting? I knew Chuchi was going to have a hard time. As somebody who used to be a dog walker professionally, I watched a lot of my families have an issue with the baby coming into the house with the dog. And I knew it was going to be hard. This in and of itself was so difficult that I don't even want to talk about it, honestly. Everyone who listens to Nash knows that Chooch, up until this point, was my baby. She was my child. I treated her as I would a child. And I only have one lap, and I only have so much energy, and a newborn needs you so much. Chooch has had a really, really hard time with the adjustment. I I really honestly can't even talk about it because it's so upsetting to me. But you know what? I gave Chooch 12 and a half years of all of my love and attention. And she's such a smart empath that I think on some level she understands that mommy needs to be with her little human brother right now and that she knows that and is understanding but it's been hard and she's had a really hard time and I'm trying my best right now we're getting it's getting a little better 
but it's been really hard on her because she isn't the baby anymore. She's the dog now. And that's really painful to share with y'all. But it's been hard. And I will always love her. And she will always be my little girl. But it's been a very difficult transition for everyone in the house. Okay, next. Coping with the changed body. My son is two and my pre-pregnancy jeans still don't fit. Like I said before. My clothes don't fit. I don't have anything that fits right now. I'm three months postpartum. Nothing fits me. And you know what? It That's okay. I'm in awe of my body and what it did. And I'm giving myself patience. And I am going to the doctor and trying to get my pelvic floor and my stomach muscles to cinch back into place. And all the things that, that change. I haven't had the time and the energy to work out. And whatever ends up being my new body, I'm going to love my new body and I will be so grateful for it. And I have a new outlook and I just hope that you can share that with me. And I know it's hard. I'm going to read y'all something that my friend Celeste posted. Once again, I'm shouting out Celeste Thomas, the beauty influencer who I follow, who's been on Attribute. She posted something the other day about this. Somebody asked her about this. And I'm just going to straight up verbatim read what she wrote, okay? It says, focus on your incredible, I screen grab this, focus on your incredible accomplishment and avoid comparing yourself with others. Every woman's journey is unique. Honor that. Practice gratitude. What incredible things does your current body allow you to do daily? Take action. If something is consistently draining your confidence, write it down and think of habits you can incorporate that will help you make a change. I thought that was incredible advice. So there you go, straight from Celeste Thomas. Follow her on Instagram. She's an inspiration to us all, and she's truly a sweetie, sweetie, sweetie. Most supportive thing someone outside of your immediate family did to help. Honestly, send groceries unprompted to somebody's door. All you have to do is text them, hey, there's groceries on your porch. Or maybe give them a 30-minute heads up so they don't melt. Again, easy to open, easy to eat, quick, healthy snack choices. Maybe a couple little treats, things you know they like, smoothies, protein shakes, little yummy nibbly snacks from Trader Joe's. Just say they're on the porch, they're there. Don't make them ask, don't make them send you a list, like just get them and send them. You know what, we are over an hour and I want to get out early and not leave y'all with a long, long episode. So guess what? There's going to have to be a part two because there's so many more questions. Are you enjoying this content? Please let me know. As I mentioned earlier, podcasting feels like screaming into the void. I have so much more to say and I have so many more questions. I have so much to say about breastfeeding. So much to say. I could do a whole episode on breastfeeding and my thoughts. Let's just say, honey, I have notes. Mother nature. I have notes. I could do a whole episode. Let me know if you want to know more about, well, that's on the questions that y'all asked me. Some of you asked me several questions about breastfeeding and if you don't love it, yeah, I could understand why you don't love it. It's a grind. It's difficult. I got a lot to say. So we're going to do another one of these. I'll try and get it out a little quicker this time. So we're going to head out, but thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing to Natchebu.
Please leave a comment. If you enjoyed this episode, send me a message. You know the drill. You deserve to be happy. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Don't forget to cream that neck and keep your fringe fresh.